She had everything that money could buy. But the one thing she didn't have was the status of a married woman. And she wanted that. She, she made that, white families rich. She, she made a white family rich. Not one. <laughs> more than one. From the History Watch Project, this is the History Watch podcast series, bringing you up close and personal with history in the real world, with some help from people who know what they're talking about. I am Audra Dipti, and on today's episode of the History Watch podcast series, we welcome the Surinamese novelist Cynthia McLeod. Cynthia specializes in historical fiction, and in this episode, we discuss the intersections between history and literature, as well as some remarkable stories she encountered in various archives in the Netherlands. I will put a list of Cynthia's books in the podcast notes for those of you who are interested. This interview would not have been possible without the support of the Center for Transnational Cultural Analysis at Carleton University. Finally, I want to remind listeners that the History Watch podcast series is now available on both iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to subscribe if you want updates on our newly released podcasts. Join us as I discuss with Cynthia McLeod historical fiction and historical reality in a Caribbean plantation society. So let me ask you something. So you do you do largely historical fiction. I only, only you only. only do historical fiction. Why do you think as a novelist it's important to write historical fiction? It was for me very important to write historical fiction about Suriname because Surinamers don't know anything about our history. We hardly learned anything in school. Suriname was not important enough. We only learned that Suriname was a backward country, that nothing of Suriname had any value. And ah, you, the less you spoke about Suriname, the better. So was the curriculum devised from the Netherlands? Is that what it is? We are, we are totally Dutch schools, okay. completely Dutch. And of course there was Surinamese history, but seen from the Dutch perspective. Huh? Mm-hmm. We never learned anything from the Surinamese perspective, never. Mm-hmm. And I missed that as a, as a child. And you wouldn't believe, even my own children. My son, in 1975, was in the fifth grade. The year we became independent mm-hmm. was in the fifth grade. And I read his history books. And the lesson about the Maroons was all from the Dutch perspective. And at the end of the lesson about the Maroons was written, we mustn't be very mad with the Maroons that they were such terrible, bad persons. They couldn't be good persons because they hadn't discovered Jesus as yet. (laughs) 1975. Yes. So instead of then... Uh, your son being exposed to a history of the Maroons as resistance fighters, as rebels trying to dismantle slavery, as um, fighting for liberation. They were, he was reading a version of history in the uh, school system devised by colonial curriculum. But after independence, of course, they started to rewrite the history and so on. So we are still in the process of doing that. And now the history books 
of Suriname for the primary school. That is very nice. It starts in the third grade, and the book for the third grade starts with just one person from all the diverse ethnicity who really did something very heroic. Okay. So from all the different groups, from the for the Japanese one, for the Hindustani one, and also from the Maroon Bonnie, mm-hmm. the, uh, the mm-hmm. one who was the leader of the... So from all the different groups. So it's done very nicely. Well, that's interesting because Suriname, not unlike Trinidad, is one of these very multiracial societies with, yeah. with people being brought in after yeah. slavery yeah. from yeah. different, yeah. Parts, from of different the world. parts of the world. So the importance of history in trying to... of, of writing history that can... One, bring all these people to see a shared past, yeah. uh, and but also to one that doesn't denigrate their, the, the lives of their ancestors yeah. and gives people a sense of pride and, and offers their perspective is very, very important. Yeah. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about the slavery period and this very, very interesting story of Elizabeth Sampson. So if I understand the story correctly, and you've done one, a historical project on her, and then you wrote a fictionalized version of it. So if I understand the story about Elizabeth Sampson correctly, she was born in the early 18th century. She was a free black woman. She was the wealthiest black woman in Suriname. Yeah. The wealthiest. She owned plantations. She owned slaves. But her story comes to life because she was trying to marry a white man in Suriname. Is that correct? And Yeah. And why did she want to marry a white man? Because a lot, a lot of black women were living together with white men in Suriname. But they were always seen as prostitutes, whores. Uh, they were living in sin. Not, never the man, eh? Mm-hmm. It was always the woman. She had everything that money could buy. Everything. If you could see the inventory of her house, she had everything. But the one thing she didn't have was the status of a married woman. And she wanted that. So let me ask you a question then, because certain historians have spoken about free women of color in Barbados. And they have suggested that those women chose not to get married because they knew that if they got married, they would be giving up their rights to their property and their rights to their person. Because back in those days, in the 18th century, if you got married, everything went to your your husband. So did that apply? Or was she willing to give up her property to to her husband? Or did she... Because she she sounded like she was a fiercely independent woman. Yeah. But I think that she wanted the status of a married woman more. And part of the deal was when she married this white man, he became her heir. And he was in charge. Okay, of but, but this is, now eventually she married, at the age of 50-something, she married somebody that was 30-something? 30 years young, 22 yeah. years younger than she was. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this raises other interesting questions now. Was he a poor white person? Well, he wasn't wealthy. Because I'm thinking from his point of view, he's in a way marrying down. He's marrying down the color line. Down the color line, yeah. But, but, but somebody that's moneyed. Yeah. So 
and somebody that's 20 years older than him, 22 yeah, years older, older than him. Yes. Do we have any records about his point of view? No, no, yeah. but he behaved as a lord after that. Well, of course. He became very <laughs> rich and he died within three years and everything was his. So he was a man of a very important rich man. Yeah. He lived as a lord at Suriname. Yeah. So he was born in Suriname as well? No, no, he was born in Holland. He was born in Holland? He, he had just come to Suriname. Oh. He came to Suriname. He was not even that long in Suriname. And so did he remarry after? No. But he must have had mistresses or something? Yeah, he had mistresses because he had children mm -hmm. with colored women. Okay. Yeah. But there would have been One, a, uh, not, in, not a lot of white women to choose from in, no, in no, Suriname no, at the time. No, 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 yeah. no. He went to Holland uh, a few years later. And he took a very big loan. He could do that because he owned so much. He took a loan of 800,000. 800,000 in the 18th century? Because he was worth more than a million. And he never paid a single cent back. Did he lose? Yeah, so he, he after he, he died, mm -hmm. you know, he lived as a lord. Right. He, he, very wealthy. Very wealthy, everything. So he inherited all her slaves, all her plantations. Yeah, he had everything. And then, when he died, he had only this big debt. And then all the property, really all her property, went came to the bank. Went to the bank after all of this. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't get a chance to look at the historical version, but was that... No, but that is not in English. Show. It's not in English. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So I didn't, I, I wouldn't yeah, have been yeah. able to make sense of it. But was it documents or did you write a history about the about Elizabeth Sampson? It was a document. So it was transcribed? Yeah. And also I speak about the society a little okay. bit. Okay. Uh, so you provide context. Yeah. But then... You went on to write The Free Negress, yeah. Elizabeth. Then, and this is doc, recent, like 2009? It's 2000. 2000. Okay, so this is a fictionalized version. Yeah, so after then, I researched the society of Suriname and Paramaribo. I had to know all the other people who lived there. Very often I found names. But how were they related to her? Mm -hmm. What was people thinking about her? Because she, she stood, stood out in this society. She, you know, as this wealthy black woman who owned, yeah, this would have yeah. been very, very, yeah. would have been... Uh, she had her carriage and and the slaves and she would drive through Paramaribo. Yeah, huh? and she wasn't even mixed race. She was completely, totally she was completely black. So this yeah. would have been an assault against the sensibilities of a society that, that was organized across along race lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why she, for instance, she could never come in the company of all those white women. Who were her peers then? Because if she couldn't be around white women, where, where, who did she spend time with? With colored people. Okay. Because a lot of her relatives were colored. Were colored. Yes. Huh? They had their own social circle. So her sisters also were black and were also living with white men. So they had... Not access to white men because oh, they yeah. had the access to property and own the property. White men had access to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had property. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in a lot of military men came to Suriname. 
and also high officials in the army. And where did they live? Suriname had no hotels and no pensions. So some of them lived in the house of such a wealthy of these wealthy, women, wealthy, women, wealthy free wealthy, women of color. Free women of color. Mm-hmm. That's what those wealthy free women of color did. Mm-hmm. Take a high official. So from their point of view, it gives them status because they get to be around these whites who have uh, high are high ranking in society. Right. Yeah. And then these women have the money and they and have the property. And they have the property and they have a, a good table and good food and slaves who can serve. Right. Dough. So it gives them entry into a white into the white world, even though no, they no, no. Well, they are not really in the white world because they will never accept it. They will never invite it in the But it gives them access to certain segments yeah. of the white world. Maybe yeah. that's a better way to yeah. say it. So why do you think it was important to tell Elizabeth's story? Her name features in all history volumes. Nobody knows exactly how come she was so rich, but they are sure she was a white man's mistress and she was a slave woman belonging to a white man and the white man set her free and when he died, he left her as well. I see. So they so they, to correct that. To correct <laughs> the idea that she had inherited wealth from a white man. And so it's quite contrary. She, yes. she, she, she made a, white families rich. She, she made a white family rich. Not one. <laughs> More than one. Because she bought... And, and they went together to the solicitor. She and her husband? She and Carol Otto Kreuz, the man, not the husband. Yeah, later on the husband also. But the white man she was living with, who was a high official in the army, he had the the soil for the plantation, for one plantation. And she came in with the money and the slaves. And then they went to the solicitor. They had, they owned the plantation Clefia, which was a very big coffee plantation together. They had a big farm together. And that was the mutual possession. The rest was hers. She had two other coffee plantations and the house was hers. But Clefia and La Solitude was the farm she, they owned together. And they went to the solicitor and they made their wills and she became fructuary heir of his half and he became fructuary heir of her half. What does that mean? That means that when the person is dead, you cannot sell it. Until you die. So until you, you die. Rights to it until you die. Until you die. And then the real heir Gets it. Gets it. And the real hair were his brothers in Germany. Mm-hmm. And, and then what does she do? She buys it from the real hairs in Germany, who have never set a foot in Suriname. Mm-hmm. Huh? She buys it, and she didn't need to buy it because she could use it as if it is hers. The only thing what she couldn't do was selling it. But she bought it. She bought it from them. And then the inventory is made for the plantation. The plantation is worth 210,000 guilders. So she must pay the brothers half of the price, what is 105,000. And the farm is worth 110,000. And she must pay them 55,000. So she has to pay 
155,000 to the brothers in Germany who never had set a foot in Suriname. Mm-hmm. And she does that. So she points that she had access to that kind of capital. She paid 75,000 cash and the rest with papers and all kinds of documents. documents. And there was 40,000 left. And she paid that in one year. In those days. So, huh? she, so clearly she, she was a woman of remarkable uh, entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. business acumen. She had a ship built to come to Suriname to get her own plantation products. Ships which were coming to Suriname had a value of 12,000, 10,000. No, 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 not her ship. Her ship had a value of 18,000 guilders. And I found in the archives, her agent in Holland had to do this. He had the ship built and he paid for it when it was finished. And he paid it cash, 18,000. So she knew So she, she wanted her own ship just yeah. to have um, control over when she got what she needed from, from Europe. From Europe and to send her own things and to Europe. And to send Europe. her stuff. And she was so well. This is this is ridiculous. She had more than a thousand slaves altogether because she had more than ten plantations. She had ten plantations. Yeah. So all these plantations were hers. And she had so many plantations, so many slaves. In the house where she lived, she had 31 slaves working in the house. One is bringing a cup of coffee and the other one is fanning her and the other one is breathing her hair. And what does she do? She orders a gardener from Holland because she wants an English garden on plantation Clevia. An English garden? An English garden. Status. Yes. And the man comes from Holland to be her gardener. Can you imagine? Well, it's difficult to imagine, but it's fascinating. It's, yeah. it's a fascinating, fascinating story. And it gives, it gives a lot of insight into what people had to do to get respect. Because I imagine from her point of view, she's this black woman who stands out. And the only way, she will never have access to white society. But a way to demonstrate that she's worthy of their respect, even if they don't give it to her wholeheartedly, is to show them that I can do, I anything, can do anything you can do and then some. Yes, exactly. And that's what she did her whole life. And perhaps that is a big reason why she wanted to marry somebody that's white. Was it. That was the only thing when she didn't have yeah. the status of a married woman. And not just a married woman, like married to somebody Mar- white. No, no, no. Married to somebody white. She died at what age? 50 something? 55. 55. 55. So she died young. She was married only three years. Wow. So some people say, maybe he killed her. (laughs) Well, it begs the question, you know, because he he is 22 years younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I don't know. And you know what? I never found her grave because he never put a tombstone for her. Oh, wow. She put the tombstone for Carol Otto Kreutz, her partner from before. Her first living lover, yes. Yeah, and I found his grave. Yes. A beautiful marble tombstone. It's still there. still in Suriname. But her husband didn't. But the husband never put a tombstone for her. And I'm sure he never did because in the burial book of the church, whenever a tombstone is put, it's written. Oh. And I found all other tombstones, and I never found her. And I never found her in the graveyard either. But did you find her death certificate? Yeah. 
that the husband came to say that she died. There's a record of her death, yeah. but no record. April, April 21. But no record of, of, a, of, a, of a tombstone. But he had to bury her somewhere. Well, that she was buried at the... In the, the cemetery. In the cemetery, and the cemetery of the wealthy people. But not, he but did not, not give her a tombstone. tombstone. Wow. So that's an important statement yeah. right there. That's remarkable, actually. So it's almost as if he wanted to wipe her off the record. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And the sisters, who also had a white man, all the sisters had tombstones for the husband, for the partners. Eh? The sister's tombstone, the sister died after the partner. The sister was really married, mm -hmm. a mulatto woman. She was really married. To a white man. To a white man. Mm -hmm. And her tombstone, her tombstone is in front of the church. Oh, so this yeah. is a nice coincidence, though. It wasn't yeah. planned that way, but it's no, just no, the no, way no. it was reorganized later. It's a later. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That brings us to the end of this episode of the History Watch podcast, Historical Fiction and Historical Reality in a Caribbean Plantation Society, in which we heard from the Surinamese novelist Cynthia McLeod. For more on Cynthia's work, be sure to look at the podcast notes. The History Watch podcast series is coordinated by Dr. Audra Dipti. To learn more about the History Watch Project, visit us at historywatchproject.com. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.